Bethany Francis. And I'm Alicia Lubin. We're two broads living abroad, broadcasting from Santiago, Chile. We explore Chilean news, cultural topics, travel, business, and more. The Chile Today podcast is the first ever bi-weekly English-speaking Chilean news podcast. To learn more about the news topics you'll hear today, check out chiletoday.cl and enjoy quick updates from around the country on Instagram at chiletodaynews. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, if you're feeling generous, rate and review us and share our episodes on your Instagram stories. If you'd like to hear about a certain topic or have a story to share... Or would like to just ask a question, contact us directly through our Instagram at Chile Today Podcast. What's up, Alicia? The intro is surprisingly difficult to record when you just ate popcorn because it's like a battle with pronunciation and the kernels that are stuck in my teeth. I have, I, this is my third Pisco Sour, and I just feel like I'm talking really slow. I felt like you were talking at a normal speed, and incoherently. Maybe that's just because you seem like you're talking really fast, that's because you're talking thing. at a normal speed. You had the Pisco, I drank the coffee, if you combine <laughs> them together... <laughs> Nothing makes any sense. <laughs> you're being so slow, Bethany. You're being so fast, Alicia. Yeah, so... Singlets and downers. To all of you listening, good fucking luck today. <laughs> yeah, you all know who's who if you can't tell our voices apart just from who's talking fast and who's talking slow. There's that. We have our drugs of choice, right? Um, but thanks. You always come through with the snacks. Oh, my God. Uh, I rushed to get this all together because, like I said, I was drinking Pisco Sours at a restaurant. But guess what? In phase three. You were inside. Hold on. Inside. Inside. Of a restaurant. Inside of a restaurant. With other people. With other people. With my whole family. You know, of course, like, with the limitations of, like, six to a table and stuff. But it was, like, really nice because we... And it was... It was... It felt very secure because we had to show our mobility pass to get in and they actually scanned them and I like even saw somebody who couldn't get in because their mobility pass wasn't working. Did and, you laugh like, at them? No, because actually it was Mel's cousin, my boyfriend's cousin. So I didn't laugh at them. But um, it was just like, you know, on one hand I feel bad for her, but on the other hand it's like I'm glad that these protocols are being enforced. I do think it's restaurant by restaurant basis kind of situation, but... Um, we have restaurants, we have travel opening up, and I, I have can so many things to talk about. Talk a little about the travel, if you'd like. I, I do, but uh, first of all, I want to know what's going on with you. Like, what's, how, how is your, your life going, phase three? Oh, it's good. Um, it's just been busy, and it feels productive. Like, I've been feeling productive. Busy and... in relationship to phase three, or just busy in general? Just busy in general. I'm trying to start a couple of new projects up you starting new projects yeah, what it's like weird. it's like me like i keep starting things like i have all these ideas and i just can't stop having ideas i can't that's kind of where i'm at too so just pursuing those and staying positive and now i feel really good because we're opening up so to all of you living in chile hooray for all of us hooray hooray <laughs> But yeah, hooray. But you have COVID news, right? I do. So one thing that we have discussed in the past few episodes is traveling, getting out of the country, or maybe mm-hmm. we just talk about that endlessly in our group chats. But uh-huh. um, with a steady gre- decrease in COVID-19 cases over the past few weeks, and with over 13 million people inoculated with at least one dose of the vaccine, changes are being made to the confinement protocols. 
Modifications are also being made to the Protected Borders Plan, which regulates movement in and out of the country to stop the spread of COVID-19. On July 26th, borders open, reopened and Chileans and residents who have the mobility pass, people who have completed their vaccina- vaccination process and waited 14 days after the second dose, are able to leave the country, but only through the big airport in SCL, so like the SCL airport. Minors with no mobility pass are not included in this measure, and people from other countries who are not residents still cannot enter the country. In phase three, there are no restrictions on moving around one's municipality or going to another in phase three. For inter-regional traveling, only the C-19 passport is needed, which confirms that the bearer isn't currently infected with COVID-19. Schools can reopen. The bear? The bear. (laughs) The bearer. The bearer. The bearer. (laughs) Yeah, no bears with COVID-19 are allowed on. Um, Schools can reopen. Only bears that have their correct PCR exam. Only bears with PCR exams and mobility passes. Schools can also reopen, but in-person attendance is optional. Social gatherings at home are limited to 20 people if they all have their mobility passes. And if someone doesn't have that, the limit drops to 10. Restaurants, gyms, and casinos can open, and casinos are the lunch halls. But maybe also casinos. I don't know. Just every single yeah, casino. Yeah, cafeterias, basically. Like, and gambling. Like if you want to eat a lot of food or go play I mean, roulette, that, is, that, that is a thing. Like, it's a public space. So there you go. But only customers with mobility passes can attend in closed spaces and while being socially distanced. Customers without mobility passes can only attend in open spaces, so like on patios, they also have to be social, social socially distant. They have to, have to. They have to be social. They have to be social. That's be the worst yourself. part about it. <laughs> um, as for social activities with no interaction between the participants, such as movie theaters, concerts, stadiums, and more, the capacity is one per person per eight square meters, with a limit of a hundred people with no mobility passes and five hundred with mobility passes in closed spaces. If you want more details about that, we have all of each phase broken down for you in our previous episode. So if you want all of those details, check that out if you have any doubts about it. Um, a little more clarification, like just to go over it, I have, I've have i been researching, I've had people ask me all week on the Chile Today page, uh, podcast page, um, because... I don't work through the Chile. Just FYI, if you do have a question about what we've talked about, it would probably be best to ask us the Chile Today podcast page because that's you're going to get us. Chile Today news, who knows who you're going to get. It could be it could be Jorge, it could be Pinguino, and we all know Pinguino's unreliable, right? So, um, so uh, as Alicia said to reiterate, mobility passes are the key. Right. So if you have a child, unfortunately, you really you can't travel out of the country right now. A child that's unvaccinated, like if you have a 16 year old or whatever and they're vaccinated and they have also passed the two week mark. There's a lot of people who are confused about that. It's not just two vaccinations. It's two vaccinations plus two weeks. Then you can travel. That's when you get your correct mobility pass. But right now. The key is, is they are not recognizing any vaccination cards or passes from any other country. And so, for example, if you have your Chilean mobility pass, you can travel out of the country and come back in. And then you do not have to stay at a hotel. One of those hotels that costs 250,000 pesos for the duration of your stay or more. That's assuming you don't have COVID. Um... 
if you come in with a mobility pass, you can stay at home. They're going to, I, I hear they're going to send somebody to your home. I have heard that that's correct. I have heard people who have had people been sent to their home to check to make sure you're quarantining. But you can quarantine at your home. But if you don't have that mobility pass or you're from another country that has a mobility pass or a vaccination card from a different country, for example, the U.S., you still have to stay in a hotel because you have to have a Chilean mobility pass. So basically all of these rules only apply to you if you have a Chilean mobility pass. They were not going to let you into the stadium. They're not gonna let you into that restaurant. If they're checking, they're not gonna, with your gringo mobility pass because they're checking your QR codes. So that is the thing. I am sure that that will change in the future as things become more clear. We are just in our first real week of that. So we will keep you updated. Uh, keep asking us questions if you still have doubts, but um, we're trying to do as much research as we can for you. Um, and we always try to do research for you when you ask us a specific question. So there's that. Yeah. Oh, so speaking of uh, vaccines, so uh, Chile, we are expected to start vaccinating people who are 12 and under soon. So it says Chile expects to start offering COVID-19 vaccination to children under the age of 12 by September as Chile presses ahead with one of the world's fastest inoculation campaigns. The government's procurement plans include shots for youth in that age range. Vice Minister of Trade Rodrigo Yanez said in Bloomberg TV interview, Shots from Sinovac Biotech are a candidate for when the inoculation drive expands given their efficacy against the virus and their safety records. Quote, we expect to start vaccinating that population probably around August or September, said Yanez, who leads the government's negotiations with COVID-19, COVID, sorry, 19 shot providers around the world. Man, them peace goes out, I swear to God. Quote, now we're vaccinating teenagers, which is true because my boyfriend's primas, 15 and 16, are now in the process of inoculation. Chile has delivered two doses to over 61% of the population, according to Bloomberg's vaccine tractor, what? Tracker. Even better than the vaccine tractor. (laughs) A far bigger share than regional peers and also more than richer countries such as the U.S. and the U.K., After battling virus waves earlier this year, the nation is now relaxing restrictions as cases plunge. I love that word. Plunge (laughs) cases. Plunge. Globally, many parents don't want their children to receive the shot since the risk of hospitalization and death and illness is low. A team from Sinovac is currently in Chile scouting different locations for a possible vaccination plant that would serve the entire region, but not like just our country, Chile, but also all of South America. So Yanya's in an interview said, we are also interested in RNA technology plants. And Chile continues in talks for vaccines with providers including Sinovac, Pfizer, Moderna, and Sputnik V. Sputnik just got approved this past week. Is that the single dose? I don't know if it's single dose. It's the Russian dose. And I want it for my communist uh, stamp book since I have the Chinese one. I need it for my communist (laughs) stamp book. Uh, oh. Pinguino says it's two doses. I was like, it's supposed to be effective AF, though. It's supposed to be like one of the most effective. It's it's cray. Okay, so and it has six months without drinking. 
yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Big Luna just said six months without drinking. Nope. No, no, no. I'll just, I'll just take my chances. I'll get them one of them European. I'll just stick with my China. Okay. The country's Institute of Public Health approved the use of... Oh, I just said that. Okay. Anyway, so today Chile has received 18.6 million shots or jabs, as they say in the UK, from Sinovac. 6.3 million from Pfizer, 1.7 million from AstraZeneca, and 575,000 from CanSino, according to the data from the presidency's office. The nation's total population is about 18 million people, which doesn't make... Wait, what? Okay, I get confused. Yes, okay, so there we go. Jabs. Jabs. Shots. Scones. There you go. That's, that's what we got. Girl... Um, in unrelated chocolate news, the classic Negrita, with its distinctive chocolate and vanilla flavor, <laughs> can be found even in the most remote stores of Chile. But after more than 60 years in circulation, its fans were surprised after Nestle made an unexpected announcement that its name will no longer be Negrita, but Choquita. The reason? There is for respect and non-discrimination. Nestle stated, quote, This decision is the result of an evaluation driven by the company that seeks to identify concepts that could be considered inappropriate in light of the increased awareness of brands and their visual language regarding the use of stereotypes and or cultural representations. The review considered the sensitivities of different social groups in all the countries in which the company is present. That included the Negrita brand, born more than 60 years ago, in a completely different context. And we figured, we felt like it should be replaced. The wafer package with this new name will be available from October this year and, according to the company, it will not affect it in any way, meaning the recipe of the product will remain its uh, characteristic flavor of always. Of always? Yep. Yep. Of always. Of always. For siempre. So the memes of the fact that this has changed have been absolutely hilarious. Tell me about your favorite meme. So oh god, far. there's so many. I don't even know like if I can think of one off the top of my head. But one, I think one is called privilegio. Like there be one that's called privilege, and it was changed to uh, I don't know, like exploiting the poor or something. <laughs> what dignidad? It was changed from privilegio to dignidad, and it just cracked my junk up. Um, and. What I gotta say about Nestle is honestly, Nestle, like, I get what you're doing with Negrita, and I understand with, like, the, the profiling, but it doesn't have the same, it does, I understand that, and honestly, like, cool, whatever, but I would much rather prefer them not being one of the biggest polluters in the world. <laughs> like, how about you pollute less, and I think people would appreciate that more, especially since Negrita doesn't have the context in Chile that it has in other, other countries. Places, yeah. I don't know. I think that my my my. I, of course, uh, then again, I have never been called Negrita, but I think that that has the 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 bigger problem is the you know the fact that the world's dying. You know. Yeah. There's that impending doom, but at impending least doom. at least doom. we'll all be dead, has... and nobody will care about that once we're all dead. The characteristic flavor of always. Yeah. Characteristic flavor of flesh burning. Okay, so Minister of Education is facing constitutional accusations. So the parliamentary, the parliamentary opposition. What? What's okay. happening? What is happening? Do you okay, want some calm water? Calm down. I have water. Okay, I'm gonna drink this water. <laughs> okay, the parliamentary op 
opposition plans to file a constitutional accusation against the education minister, Raul Figuero. Figuero. <laughs> Next week, he allegedly violated the constitutional rights to education and life and ignored international treaties in the pandemic context. Figueroa has pushed a return to in-person classes even during critical phases. This pressure not only endangered children but also education workers, according to the accusation. Several lawmakers from all opposition parties support this move. Uh, news outlets 24 Horas reported the lawmaker accuses accused Figueroa. Oh damn, Figueroa of having violated an article of the ICESCR Treaty on International Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights and articles of the UN Convention on Children's Rights, UNCRC. He is also accused of having violated constitutional articles that refer to education, the right to physical and mental integrity, and the article that limits authority even in extraordinary circumstances. Uh, Figueroa Quote, deliberately avoided introducing modifications to face the pandemic, restricting it to the current regulation, which doesn't include e-learning, also affecting workers who, quote, have faced as a consequence uh, vulnerability, overload, and labor burden, according to the accusation. Okay, so ADN Radio reported Figueroa claimed the accusation would hinder the ministry's work, quote, at a time when the whole country needs to focus its time and energy to protect the well-being of children and the educational system. This accusation means deflecting that time, resources, and dedication, and he denied any wrongdoing. The accusation can still be changed if the in-person class's context also changes. All right. So, um, I don't know how I feel about any of that. I feel like everybody was just... Trying to do the best that they could. You know, I feel like that too. Like, I don't necessarily think this is a good human. Like, I don't necessarily support this person. I don't think he necessarily is a good guy. But I also think, like, you're, you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't in this pandemic with when it comes to education. And the thing that I support about what they did with education is they always made it optional. They never made it they compulsory. They always made it optional. They never made it compulsory. So that's why I don't understand the the accusations against him. It was never like your like in the U.S. It was like your kid goes to school, or they don't go to like you don't go to school, and then they're charged with like a, literally a crime for not going to school. Right. It was always optional unless they were in phase three, which nobody ever was. Well, I'm interested to see how interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, very excited about this. Um, the Chilean national women's football team, La Roja, is making history by participating in its first Olympics in the 2020 Tokyo competition mm-hmm. by overcoming a resilient Cameroon side two to one on an aggregate over two legs back in April. The I don't Chilean know what that means, but woo! The Chilean women's football team booked its spot in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. This was history in the making, the first Chilean women's national football team to qualify for an Olympics. To take on this challenge, head coach Jose Leterrier, might have mispronounced that, sorry, has called upon a mixture of experience and youth in the squad, with a majority of players taken from Chilean league teams, but with others from the French, Swedish, and Spanish leagues. He will be relying on the steady hands of goalkeeper Christine Endler as the team's captain and most capped player. For goals, Chile will look to midfielders Francisco Lara 
and Yanara Edo, as well as striker Daniela Zamora. Yeah, girl, you go. Is that it? Mm-hmm. I got excited. I'm sorry. I'm excited about them. Actually, honestly, Alicia, I'll tell you something. I'm not a huge fan of the Olympics. I know, you were telling me this, but it's fine. It's not for everybody. Dude, I understand, like, I think there's, like, an international significance to being, like, getting together for something like the Olympics, whatever. I think Simone is absolutely a goddess, you know what I mean? But I'm not a huge Olympics person, but I love hearing how so many women are just kicking ass and taking names and doing shit and it makes me feel like if I only wanted to get off my couch I could be a goddess like them they inspire me that's what I'm trying they to say they are very inspirational and inspiring kudos to the Chilean women's team for breaking through a huge threshold um in football and especially for Chilean football where women typically don't get the recognition that they deserve absolutely and you know it's funny because since the Chilean team has not been doing so well I have seen a palpable difference in Chileans supporting the women's team, Mm -hmm. which I'm like, I guess, however, that can happen. But the Chilean team's been doing great. It's like the same thing with the U.S. women's team. Like, the U.S. did not care about soccer, soccer as we say in the U.S., until the women's team started doing amazing at it. And so, an interesting thing. Uh, I have news that I feel represented by, and this is about crocodiles, because it is winter here in Chile, and my skin, I very much feel like... A crocodile. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, using natural lotions and natural ingredients on my skin that I've been doing this year has really helped. So if you're interested in that, follow at Gringas Go Green on Instagram because we're doing all sorts of natural stuff. But um, so there was a modern crocodile's grandfather, quote unquote, which is 150 mil- million years old, discovered in Chile. So dinosaur news. I feel like we should have a song. Penguin of Fun is a dinosaur song. For all of our dinosaur news. We have dinosaur news like every few weeks. Find the song. Insert song here. Uh, A 150 million year old fossilized skeleton was discovered in the mountains of southern Chile and was determined to be the ancestor of a modern crocodile. The Argentine Museum of Natural Sciences announced on Friday. So the species is named the Berkesuchus Mayengrandensis. The Berkesuchus Mayengrandensis was found in 2014 in an Andean fossil deposit near the Patagonian town of Mayin Grande by Argentine and Chilean researchers. Since then, it has been analyzed at the Argentine Museum of Natural Sciences, the MACN, in Buenos Aires. The specimen is the, quote, grandfather of the current crocodiles and should allow scientists to understand how they evolved, which I don't understand because I didn't think crocodiles existed in Chile. I don't know. I don't know enough about crocodilian the science. Because the south of Chile is way too effing cold for but crocodiles. For, but remember the, the climate sure, change sure. so much. That this is what climate change does. It kills our our grandfather crocodiles. Maybe they're the crocodiles in Brazil, in Brazil, Peru. That's way more north than southern Chile. There's also crocodiles in Florida, Pinguino. Well, maybe they, they booked the train. <laughs> They do travel by train. I have heard crocodiles travel by train. Thank you, Pinguino. Uh, so, uh, and, okay. 
Scientists believe the fossil will help them understand how these reptiles went from being terrestrial to aquatic, because apparently back then they were terrestrial. Along with other fossils, the discovery supports the idea that South America was the cradle of evolution for crocodiles. Dang, crocodiles! Okay. The crocodile hunter from Australia, but apparently they're the cradle civilization for crocodiles. Who knows? Crikey! About 200... I'm so sorry for people from Australia. I'm so sorry. About 200 million years ago, quote, the crocodiles were smaller, if you can believe it, and did not live in water. Paleontologists always wanted to know what the transition was like. Federico Agnolin, uh, who found the specimen, told Reuters, quote, what Bergesusius shows is a series of unique traits which no other crocodile has because they were the first that began to get into water, into fresh water. It's like the missing freshwater link thing. According to MACN, crocodiles appeared at the beginning of the Jurassic period. Jurassic Park, one of the best movies ever. Okay, around the time of the first dinosaurs, in a few million years, they got into the water thanks to the existence of warm and shallow seas. South America is known for its richness in marine crocodile fossils. I had no idea. No idea. There are no crocodiles here now, I'm pretty sure. They're all, every single one of them is in Florida and Australia. Every single, there's no other crocodiles anywhere ever. I can, I'm, I am a scientist. And they're all Republicans. Little fact. <laughs> they all marry alligators. Crocodiles are male. Alligators are female. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, it's such interest. I love. There's so much dinosaur stuff going on in Chile, and I love it. I love it too. Okay, so we're really excited to finally, after a long time, after our Mapuche Warriors episode bring you another episode about the indigenous peoples of Chile. So who are we talking about today, Alicia? We are discussing the Aymara people. Yeah, I'm super excited. So we have seven amazing facts about the Aymara. But as always, we want to recognize that we are learning and we are not representative necessarily of the Aymara people. And seven facts is such a small quantity to put for such a complex culture. If you are Aymara or if you have family or if you have knowledge because you studied them, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to interview you. Please message us on our Instagram at Chile Today Podcast or email us chiletodaypodcast at gmail.com. Like we want to learn, we want to listen, and that's the most important thing. So we'll start. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this as much as we enjoyed learning about this. So the Aymara, <laughs> the Aymara, sometimes written with a Y, sometimes written with an I, is an indigenous people from South America, obviously, which was inhabited by the Andean Plateau of Lake Titicaca. I'm not going to laugh at that because I want to be respectful. Since pre-Columbian times, extending between the northwest of Argentina, the west of Bolivia, the great north of Chile, and the southwest of Peru. Alternatively, they might be called the Goyas, but that can be confusing because there is also an ethnic group of people with the same name that live in the northwestern Argentina in northern Chile. Um, so it might get confusing, so they prefer, or so says this article that I read, to be called the Amara, and this could, the Goya could also be referred to as people who inhabit, inhabit, what? Inhabit, uh, in, oh, oh, inhabit 
Western Bolivia. Um, and since there was no one-to-one correspondence between the two names, like there was no, like, uh, they didn't have any socialization between each other, the Goya. So like there was no way to like say, this is my name or that's your name or whatever. So I'm not a- and that's how they blended the culture. Yeah. Um, they were agriculturalists and herders. And one of the really Amazing. cool oh. things that I was reading about them is that they survive and cultivate crops in very harsh conditions. Conditions that like people can barely like walk up and breathe in. They're growing that crops. That is like so South American, I swear. Like beans, South American barley. indigenous people, I swear. And they even they even fish. Like they 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 traverse all of the different um, elevations of land. So they're utilizing all of the land in every single way that they can. And I, I, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So cool. So the Amara people have their origins in what's called the Amara Lordships. So that's sort of the historical context, which would be like the 1200s through the 1400s AD. So that was like sort of the peak of their, what would be like their Im- empire. Like, I don't know if that, that would be like the culturally, like the appropriate thing to say. But it began, it began to really appear with the decline of Tiwanaku, which was a different culture between the 1000 to 1180. However, people can go back even further to the Wadi culture, 500 to 1000, who spoke. Proto Aymara. So there's like a relationship all the way back to 500 AD with the same language. So that's amazing. So these Aymara lordships spread throughout the Andes, expanding their radius of influence. They did not respond to centralized political power. They completely refused it, which explains the permanent conflicts that have existed between the Aymara and the the uh, maybe colonialist or perhaps like the other indigenous um, def- uh, uh, what what would I say like the other indigenous competitors that like would try to come in against them. They were very very independent and proud of their culture, which is super cool. And they ended up being conquered by the Incas at one point. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I say yeah, 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 like I'm like an expert, but I just read that on Wikipedia. So yeah, 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 like, yeah. They were yeah, yeah. But they did. They were like you said. They were very resilient, and they tried really hard to retain certain aspects of their culture. Um, the the language, the Aymara, is the traditional language of this group. There's no historical records of its exact origin, but it's been spoken, like you said, for centuries. And it's one of Bolivia's official languages, together with Spanish and about other 30 other native tongues. So that's amazing because we see in in our world today so many of these unique and antiquated languages are being lost. And people are trying really, really hard to protect it. So although the majority of the Amara population, they speak Spanish, and you're going to go into why they speak Spanish, I believe, um, they're... There are efforts to promote the use of their traditional language, but about a third of their population can no longer speak it. Mm. The lack of a bilingual system of education and the discrimination against the Aymara speakers in the cities have led to this decrease. So people are basically like, you know, you better assimilate. And we've seen that over and over and over again with populations like this, like assimilate, assimilate, assimilate. And it becomes very difficult to retain these cultural aspects because you have to practice them in private. And there's you, right. they might not lose their sense of pride, but you can't be outwardly proud of this beautiful heritage that you have. I think that that is such an 
international problem with languages and pride and what it means to be a certain human. Like I know so many people, I know so many people who have come to Chile as fully Chilean, like mom Chilean, dad Chilean, and they decided to not teach them Spanish because the proper language to learn was French or German or English because that's the language that they grew up in. And it's so sad because it's like, there is so much beauty in the culture and in what your language teaches you. And I think we need to be more like, and I think that there's this excuse that it's like, oh, it's too complicated. It's too, uh, it's because schools and you need to assimilate. And it's like, look, people in Europe speak like seven languages. We right. can do this here. You can teach your your kid or you can have a, a school that teaches your kid this language and that. And we think we already do this in Santiago, right? With like German and French. Why can't we, why can't we just be like, you know what? Nobody in Germany gives a crap if you speak German. They all speak English. How about you learn how about our school teach you Aymara? Or how about our school teach you Mapunungun? Like, you know, how much more beneficial and culturally rich and useful for a country would that be? Because, like, look, you can learn English in Mapunungun and you can, like, give a beautifully culturally rich thing to your country and also be effectively living in so many different countries in the U.S., including Germany. I don't know. Like, I just think, like, I, I'm just, I'm here for native languages. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, so, so the Spanish arrived in the western portions of South America in the 1600s, in 1535 approximately. So soon after, by 1538, they subdued, which is what this article said, the Aymara. And I don't like that word. They subdued them, but whatever. So the Aymara uh, exercised their own distinct culture free from Inca influence at this time. They had been, like, as you said, sort of influenced, conquered, whatever you want to say, by the Incan, but they were able to um, practice their own traditions. But this was not the case when the Spanish came in. So this was a very turbulent time and the Aymara became laborers at in mines and in agricultural fields and in the subsequent colonial era the Aymara organized into 11 tribes which were the Kanchi, the, Gan, the Karanga, the Charca, the Koya, the Koyagua, the Koyawaya, eh, Omasuya, La Paca, Kiyaka, Ubina, and the Bacasa. I totally apologize. I tried to look up that phonetically with all respect. I would love it if you guys corrected me. Um, I want to learn. So the Aymara used many of the agricultural and technology techniques from the Spanish, like these are plows, draft animals, wheat, barley, sheep, cattle, and plank boats for fishing. However, the Aymara still engaged and the traditional uh, occupations such as raising alpacas, growing native crops, and net fishing because they believed they were more effective, which they probably were. Because, you know, sometimes when you know what you know, and sometimes you know your fields and you know your land better. So, good for them. And while 
you know, some things changed when the Spanish came in and influenced the people. One thing that stayed relatively the same throughout history for the Aymara or the fam is the family unit. The so, fam. The fam. Fam, fam. The basic social unit is the extended family, and it consists of a man and his brothers, their wives, sons, and unmarried daughters, and they live in a cluster of houses within a compound, so it's like a neighborhood. Um, the structure is changing more or less now, as many Aymara are seeking wages in urban settings. And so, also to note, traditionally, there's not really a division of tasks or rights between men and women. It sounded like it was all pretty, like, equal. Like it, like it, like it. Yeah, love it. So, uh, wrapping up the Aymara um, topic for today, and look, you know, it's so difficult to fit all of the things about this culture. I am sure we're going to do a part two. Yeah. Like, like, or a part three, like... It's so many things. I want to wrap up, wrap up with mythological figures because it's so cool. So there is the Ekeko. So this is the Amara trickster hero and god of fertility and luck. Even today, little statues of the Ekeko are kept as good luck charms for many of the Amara people. And it seems like uh, tricksters and things like that are very important for Aymara mythology, which I want to know so much about. If you know about it, please let me know. I want to learn. Or, like, I have been to the museum here. I forgot the name of the museum because I know, like, self-education is super important. Like, you guys shouldn't have to educate me. But I have been to that museum. I need to go again. I try to go more than, like, I try to go multiple times to the same museums. But I don't know how much information is on the Aymara people. I should go back. Yeah, all I'm trying to say. I'm thinking out loud. Okay, so there are also trickster animals. So a lot of folk tales feature sly animal heroes playing tricks on each other or their neighbors swipe or no swiping. Like modern cartoon animals, the tricksters often die in Aymara stories and no swipe or no. And spontaneously come back to life. The fox, <laughs> Kamake, is most common as the Aymara trickster animal. But monkey and mouse sometimes also play trickster roles. Look at you, swiper, you tricky trickster. So yeah, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as us. But we have another really fun announcement to give you. If you're interested in doing our international trivia night, we're going to put more of that information on our Instagram. But look, it is going to be on August 7th. We're putting the information up on the internet. But what you need to do is, all you have to do is create a Kahoot account, either on your computer or download the app. That's all you have to do. And then at the time that we indicate, I don't remember what time is it? Eight. 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 Eight Chilean time, I believe. It's on the internet, 8 Chilean time. You go to our YouTube page, you search Chile to 8 Chilean time, which is also 8 Eastern Standard Time. So if you're not Eastern Standard Time, you'll have to do whatever you are that's not Eastern Standard Time. And you'll go into search YouTube Chile Today Podcast, and we're going to be live streaming, talking to you during the trivia. And you live interact on your phone or on your computer with the trivia as we are live streaming to you. So basically your phone is your remote control if you use your if you use your phone. So that's the easiest avenue. So that that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much. And uh, when in doubt, gringo out. Bye. Bye. Bye.
guys, the Chile Today podcast is produced by Diego Pinguino Rivera. It is written by Alicia Lubin and Bethany Francis in conjunction with ChileToday.cl. Hope you enjoy.